Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought from Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm your host, Claire Navarro. In today's podcast, we return to our series on the space sciences by taking a look at some of the most powerful and mysterious objects in the universe, black holes. Our guide is Dr. Henry Krasinski from Washington University in St. Louis. I'm Henry Krasinski. I'm a professor of physics, and I've been working here since 2002. This fall, Dr. Krasinski's research group will launch an instrument dubbed Excalibur into the sky above Arizona. While dangling under a specially designed balloon, Excalibur will be detecting X-rays. So we measure X-rays, which are otherwise used for medical imaging, for example. If you get an exam, an X-ray. That's right. The same type of X-ray that is used in your doctor's office can be detected from sources in outer space. These types of X-rays are called hard X-rays, and they have a very high amount of energy. This is why they can penetrate your body rather than simply being absorbed by your skin. But not every light source in the universe is hot enough to emit this kind of energy. So cold stars emit like reddish light, hot stars blue light, and then black holes are much hotter, so they don't they only emit X-rays mostly. This makes X-rays better than anything else for studying black holes. Excalibur won't be blindly scanning the sky for these rays, however. The plan is to point the instrument at several pre-specified targets, including black holes. For the first flight, we'll observe the northern hemisphere, and they have beautifully bright black holes. It may seem counterintuitive to think of black holes as being beautifully bright. After all, in school, the first thing we learn about black holes is that even light can't escape their massive gravity. Once matter falls into black holes, nothing comes out again. So you don't see X-rays coming from the black hole. It's only from the matter shortly before it falls into the black hole. So in other words, though black holes themselves are invisible, the material about to fall into them is not. And it's the process of matter being drawn into the black hole that creates these high-energy X-rays. But what does this process look like? So it's basically similar to water going down a drain. It goes around and spirals pretty fast. Just before going in, it spirals very fast and gets very much compressed and heats up in the process. And because it's so small and compact and hard, it it emits X-rays. Excalibur doesn't just detect the presence of X-rays, however. It's different from other instruments because it measures the direction and the polarization degree of the rays. Observing polarization provides information that you can't get any other way. This is partly because the polarization degree changes depending on the location of the X-ray. If the X-ray is just emitted by the gas going into the black hole, the polarization fraction is low. If you get very close to the black hole, the light goes around the black hole on this curved trajectory, hits this disk of incoming matter again, and in the reflection acquires a very high polarization degree. So you get very highly polarized emission very close to the black hole. This type of information will help determine the size of the black holes and the speed at which they're spinning. Krasinski will also be learning about the structure of matter as it goes into black holes, 
and the structure of matter as it's expelled out. That last part is something we haven't discussed yet. Near extremely large black holes, matter can get very close to the black hole but not disappear. Instead, it gets expelled out at the speed of light. So it's like if you drop a little bucket of paint, and it drops to the ground and suddenly paint uh, flies out. Except in this case, it would be a very, very large bucket of paint. And instead of the paint splashing up, maybe a few inches. This matter flies over millions of light years sometimes. It's very large structures form and they kind of just affect the gas in a galaxy, they heat the gas of a galaxy. And so we can study these outflows from black holes. The large black holes that create these outflows are called supermassive black holes. They can be millions of times more massive than our sun. And they make giant matter outflows which drill holes through galaxies and inflate bubbles with some versus very hot gas. And you want to know how these outflows are launched. And so we can study that with polarization pretty well. Because people think they are launched by helical magnetic fields. And so they should produce a very, like some rotation of the polarization. Excalibur will observe the supermassive black hole Centaurus A in 2016, when the instrument will fly over Antarctica, instead of Arizona, for its second flight. But even before it begins to detect X-rays, flying Excalibur has its own challenges. Because of wind conditions and other factors, last year the team had to decide whether to carry out a shortened flight or to try again in 2014. They decided to wait. When it does fly an 8-meter-long, 3,000-pound X-ray telescope provided by the Goddard Space Flight Center will carry the instrument. Excalibur itself is about the size of a shoebox, and inside is a pin about one centimeter in diameter. And the X-rays are scattered on that pin made of plastic. And they scatter, and they are then detected by 32 detectors surrounding that pin. The pin is eight meters away from the mirror that collects the light particles, or photons. And the photons have to hit this pin with an accuracy of a fraction of a millimeter. So this translates that you have to orient the telescope with an accuracy of like a hundredth of a degree. And all of this has happened while you are on a balloon and the experiment is dangling on a long rope. There's a lot of technology behind keeping the telescope completely steady while the balloon itself moves. In addition, the telescope is controlled by a radio transmitter meaning the team has to stay relatively close to the instrument. And if it flies further away than a certain amount, part of the team has to go on an airplane and fly to a different airport to, uh, to go to a different ground station. You know, you kind of in real time have feedback with the telescope, you control the telescope in real time, and it flies outside of the range of a radio transmitter. Part of the team has to fly <laughs> with an airplane in the middle of the night and follow the experiment. But, assuming the winds cooperate, the gratification for Krasinski and his colleagues will be immediate as they see the results come in in real time, photon by photon. To wrap up today's podcast, we turn to Einstein. By finding out more about the size and structure of black holes, 
Krasinski's research will provide evidence relating to a theory that you may recognize. So one of the predictions of the general theory of relativity, that's a theory of Einstein to describe space-time, it predicts that there should be black holes and it predicts that the black hole should be spinning. So in the meantime, people are pretty much convinced that there are black holes, but you still want to prove that, they, that there are these spinning black holes and that they are described by Einstein's theory. So you want to measure the spin of black holes to basically to test Einstein's theory of gravity in space-time. Many thanks to Henry Krasinski for contributing to Hold That Thought. For many more ideas to explore, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and at thought.artsci.wustl.edu. That's thought.artsci.wustl.edu.